Welcome to The Block. Uh, this is episode four uh, with our host, uh, James Ballantine. Uh, today, we are going to talk about the black dollar and voting with your money. Uh, before we get into that, though, uh, James, tell us, uh, how did you make your block better this week? So this week, I actually spent some time inside my greenhouse. Uh, so really honing in and finishing the lighting system, uh, tidying up a lot of wires, uh, and uh, hanging a fan system. So between all of that, uh, I am ready to plant starting on Monday. So we hung up the lights put up the fans, and did some monitoring of the temperatures to make sure that I would be ready to plant this week. So that is the thing I did to better my my block today, Fantas- this week. That is awesome. It's awesome to be putting plants in the ground here now, actually, tomorrow. Yeah, it was. it's pretty awesome. It's something that we've been wanting to do and uh, had to, you know, which is funny. You find out a lot of things as you're building projects and things you might have to change, adapt, and you just kind of go with it and continue to build. You don't let it stop you and you adjust as you need adjusting. Anything that you do is sometimes you need to adjust. Right? Yeah. Yep. And you've done a lot of that. There's been a lot of uh, making changes on the fly. Yeah. uh, Learning and uh, definitely I would say building in the greenhouse is something that I kind of had an ideal um, of what I wanted to do, but I will honestly say uh, that all got thrown out of the window <laughs> and uh, we adjusted and we made some adjustments and it's it's definitely looking good and, and it, you know, it's turning out well so far. Now, yeah. the planting and see how well we do right? that. Right, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, the actual growing of things. Uh, but anyway, so our topic this week is talking about the black dollar and voting with your money. So I'm going to let you jump into that. Absolutely. Uh, also wanted to just take a second uh, at the beginning of the podcast to recognize that, you know, for me as a person of color um, with parents that were involved in the civil rights movement, we had a loss uh, this week, and mm-hmm. John Lewis, uh, one of the civil rights icons, um, was laid to rest this 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 week. And uh, if you haven't taken the time to actually read his letter, uh, I would definitely recommend that you take a second to actually read that letter. It kind of just really is a a powerful last words. I actually like to take a second to take a quote for from something, especially in today's current climate where a lot of people are actually, you know, in some phases, uh, somewhat confused, not sure what's going on with Black Lives Matter and so forth. Um, This quote actually just really hit home for me and probably for a lot of people, but I think it will do a lot of explaining to where a lot of people's heads are. Uh, Emmett Till was my George Floyd. He was my Rashad Brooks, Sandra Bland, and Breonna Taylor. He was 14 when he was killed, and I was 15 years old. I will never, ever forget the moment when it became so clear that he could easily have been me. And when people wonder and where people's heads are when they see the protests, a lot of people like to call them riots, um, but they're actually protests. 
um, calling him riots is just a dismissive way of saying, I don't care to try to understand what you're feeling. And so when I read that quote by Lewis, um, if he, if you don't know the Emmett Till uh, story, you should actually probably go and read that for yourself as well. But reading this entire, uh, this letter really hit home. And again, you know, a civil rights icon, he, his last words pretty much says it all. And he was really able to um, put into words, you know, the last moments or I won't even say the last moments of his life, but his life as a whole. And and hopefully try to help people understand where some people are coming from in the way that they're thinking and what's going on in today's climate and why people are up in arms and, you know, in a, in a sense, kind of fed up, but not letting it go. Because when we saw the Breonna Taylors, the George Floyds, uh, for a lot of us, that can easily have been us. Um, and. I guess until you're in that situation where um, essentially government sanctioned terrorist terrorism is allowed and everyone kind of looks at that and says, oh, well, they make excuses. Oh, this guy was a bad guy or this guy did this wrong. Um, you know, we have a justice system for a reason um, and we all say we abide by it. Um, it's only to, when a person of color uh, questions the justice system is it all of a sudden up in arms and, 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 and excuses are then allowed to be made for bad behavior um, or deflections. Um, we love to deflect instead of really address the issue. So John Lewis could say it better than I, I can. Again, we lost an icon in the civil rights movement. Um, but his last words that he left for us was of aspiration um, that we as a country can do better as we as a country have stood for it. And he calls it good trouble. Good trouble is protesting um, for everyone who who forgets that our rights that we all to this day enjoy from voting, um, from not being overly taxed, um, even though I think we're starting to be overly taxed again. We might need to throw some stuff in the Boston Tea and do that again, uh, but that's a whole nother subject. But these things that we all enjoy all became because we as learned citizens stood up and said, hey, government, we're not happy with this. You need to make some changes. And that's what a protest is. It's not it's not pretty all the time. It's not, you know, something that you might understand or this person might not understand or the next person might understand. But it essentially is us standing up to our government and saying, hey, government, we're not happy with this. So go read those letters. Um, Obama gave a great eulogy at his funeral. Oh, the eulogy was amazing. So... Yeah, I think those are some things that people should, you know, go and view and look at for themselves. And I saw, I read that one of the last things that he did before he went into the hospital was he actually was in Washington, D.C. and went to the uh, the Black Lives Matter, um, I guess... It was mural. The mural, yeah. okay. That was actually uh, something that he addressed in his letter, um, uh, and he was admitted into the hospital the next day, but... 
I think for him it was something that he spent his entire life fighting for. Yeah. And for him it was, you know, he got to see a lot of stuff. He got to see Obama become president. Um, and it, for him it was like before, I, you know, I think at a certain point in time everyone knows when their, their time is short. And maybe this was, hey, I know that my time is short and this is something I want to see before my yeah. time is done here. No, that was that was fantastic. I mean, what a what an amazing person. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, read on his life. Uh, some great things. Uh, the black, the power of the black dollar. You know, I in my head, I you know when I went over this and I started really looking at the numbers uh, this week, uh, I went back and forth how I was going to approach this. Uh, definitely a lot of information out there on on how we misappropriate our dollar. I mean, and there's a lot of people speaking to it as well. And I decided, you know what, I'm just not going to sugarcoat it for us. Uh, And I'm just going to speak from the heart and speak from the truth. Uh, A lot of how we spend our money is absolutely asinine. We, I, I, you know, I can't sugarcoat it. I can't, I can't beat about around the bush about it. It's, you know, we look at a lot of things and we, as a people, um, and today I'm addressing people of color, um, and maybe even, uh, you know, rural people as well, you know, how we spend our money is, is fucking stupid. Uh, and where we are, you know, struggling, uh, to figure out our place here and uh, struggling in education and struggling in, in housing and struggling in rebuilding our communities. And then when we understand the dollar amounts that we actually possess and how we spend our money, uh, this year alone, the black dollar is going to be at $1.4 trillion, people. That means throughout our collective we're going to control $1.4 trillion, and of which of that, we're not going to keep a goddamn penny of it. That, it, that's beyond pathetic. Um, it's, we can't sugarcoat it. We, we, it, it has to be changed. And things, when I say it has to be changed, we have to all start talking about it, and we have to actually start looking at the stupidity of how we spend our money and stop praising the bullshit. You know, when we see a a sports figure who, when we see when we see sports figures spending all this money on cars and houses and diamonds and gold, and then we see in Sports Illustrated these long pages of broke athletes, of uh, bankrupt and they made all this money and now they don't have shit. You know, they're you know going back to regular jobs. They're you know bricklayers. They have hard this and hard lives. And when you see how we're spending our money, you know, you, you understand why. But we all praise it. None of us step forward and say, hey, why are you doing that? We want, we just, you know, you, we look at, you know, and I'm, I'm picking on athletes in a sec and at this very moment. Um, but I'm going to break it down to, you know, a you and I level. Uh, but why I'm picking on athletes and, and the guys that are in the media and so forth. Unfortunately, you're teaching our youth to spend their money this way. 
you're teaching that we're valuing stuff. And I can get into the reason why we we drape ourselves with this crap because you know, over centuries and years we've been taught that we're worthless from skin color to hair to and I can go down the list of 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 you know body images and 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 face images and and physical images that we we've, we've been taught that are not good enough and you know generally what people do when they feel they are not good enough they drape good enough shit on top of them hence you know the need for all the name brands and the diamonds and the jewelry and the gold and everything else okay stop we know the problem so at what point in time do we as a people address each other and say, let's fix it. Stop pushing each other away. Stop finding a reason to not stop finding reason to not support because you're secretly jealous or you secretly have issues with this person because of how they're choosing to live their life. Nah, screw all that. It is time for us to actually address each other and come together as a people and I'm rooting for everybody that's black, and that's not mean. I'm, you know, for all the all lives matter people out there and and stuff like that. That doesn't mean I don't like white people or I'm against white people. I'm not rooting for white people to win too. It's going to take over 140 years of, of black people to gain the type of uh, money as a white collective that you have over us. All right, so you've been winning. Already. So me saying that black people, I'm rooting for them is I'm rooting for the change. I'm rooting for us to understand what we've been doing wrong and start to change and start to support each other. So that's when I say I'm rooting for everybody's black. I'm not rooting against anyone else. I'm rooting for us to support each other and support change and come together as a community. If we do that, we help better education. We help, you know, I know everyone likes to throw out the uh, the term black on black crime. All right. Uh, it, like Tupac said, yeah, I'm quoting, quoting Pac right now. Um, I got to stop. And, you know, I'm probably getting this quote wrong, but I got to stop looking at my brother as a distant brother or this distant guy. And I'm paraphrasing right now and looking at him as a brother. So if I look at this man as a brother and not this distant stranger, then how can I shoot him? How can I attack him? Because he's a brother to me. And so when I say that, you want to, that is the change. That's how we're rooting. That's what I'm rooting for is not against anyone, but to bring us together. And it's got to start with how we spend our money. Being a black owned business uh, owner, own two businesses now, working on three and four. Yeah. So there's quite a bit. But when you start looking at the numbers, you understand that black owned businesses get only 2% of the black dollar. That means we are getting more support as black business owners from other minorities than black people. Because we would rather put a name brand, and I'm not going to mention all the different name brands that we would rather buy than the guy who's starting his own sneaker company, the guy who's starting his own clothing label, purses, so forth, and you can continue on down the line. We would rather not support him and wear somebody who doesn't put shit in our communities. 
These people, and what's funny about it is the elite and super wealthy don't buy all the shit. We buy it to, to, to pretend we're rich. To pretend for somebody else that we're wealthy and that we don't like. So we understand right now that we as a people give less than 2% or about 2% of that $1.4 trillion to other black people. And if you don't look at yourself in the mirror and say, wow, I'm ashamed of that. I find that pathetic. Then... There's something wrong. With, there, I won't say there's something wrong with you. Is that we need to do a better job of reprogramming each other. So again, I'm rooting for you. I don't see you as a stranger. I see you as a brother, a sister, and so I'm rooting for you. And I, I, I expect that same. I remember growing up as a kid, where you know you walk down the street and you know watching my dad. Every you know black guy is you know walking down the street. They throw the head nod and or. I, you know, acknowledgement to the older gentleman and you walk down the street now and you don't see that. And that was, I don't know that black dude over there or that black man, uh, black woman. It was just an acknowledgement of, I know what fight you're in. And as we are all awakened by our current administration, that is, you know, wreaking havoc on the, the entire United States by trying to rule by division um, and really trying to uh, making it OK uh, for certain people to come out and, you know, express their hate. And, you know, I look at that as, you know, hey, they're frustrated, too, as I try to look at the other side of the coin and, and, and not just say I hate you uh, because that's what we're getting Uh is I try to understand they feel I'm in rural poor America and, and, and I want something too. And, you know, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson, you know, paraphrasing his quote, it said, uh, convince the poorest white man that he's better than the black man. He'll empty his pockets for you. So while we're all being fooled by politicians, why, you know, when you really understand, uh, my dad used to say all the time, don't trust a politician. Job is to lie to you. You understand that I'm gonna tell you what he I want what you want to hear so you can vote for me and I'm gonna go down the street around the corner and tell them what they want to hear so they can vote for me too. So understanding that this person's job is to lie to you so they can get voted voted into whatever job that they're trying to uh, to to gain here, then everybody's being fooled. So at some point in time, we all got to stop pointing the fingers at each other. But very first thing that we can do is start working with ourselves as a community to change how we spend our money, how we educate our children, and then we can address other people and what they're doing. Um, I almost want to say, as I grow out my hair, and you know, I'm, I decided, you know, I'm, I'm getting my dreadlocks <laughs> on uh, and doing that. But as I also, what I'm looking at is it. You know, we're we're all dealing with a major pandemic, and. You know, I used to keep a tight fade, you know, every, you know, two weeks I was religious about getting my hair cut and, and, you know, waved up and, and so forth. But I also have to do my part and I can't be trapped by vanity and where I can do and go get a regular haircut all the time. So it's like, all right, my hair is going to grow out a little bit longer. It was like, hey, I always wanted to do dreads. Perfect time to always do it. You know, I can't get a haircut all the time, so I'm going to do that. But why I say I bring that up. Is beauty supplies. 
Beauty Supplies <laughs> is absolutely asinine how much we spend on this. Uh, I mean, we're in, it is a giant business. And when I say that, I mean, we spend billions, people, on smell goods, lotions, uh, soaps, uh, hair products, hair weave, things like that, um, of which 70% of those businesses are not owned by black people. And we make up almost 88% of that business. So that means for us that we should not absolutely... Wait, here's what it is. If we don't make up over 70% of the business and we know these uh, those 70% of the people who own those businesses aren't contributing into the black community, then we need to do something to address that. And best way to do it during a pandemic, hey... Everybody go back to good, rocking your natural. So while we're not buying these supplies and they're wanting to come back and say, hey, we need y'all to buy supplies again. Y'all, you know, I can't afford the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. And, you know, my Mercedes is about to get repossessed and my, and my store is going down and my, my warehouse is because we took the black dollar from them. We address the issue. You want us to rebuy those products. Then what we're going to do is I need you to invest in some of the black businesses in our communities that you are making all this money off of. And if you can't do that, we're going to continue to not support you. And while we're not supporting you, we need to support other entrepreneurs that are saying, hey, this there is a market. We're going to go and support them. We can do something as simple as... Go out of your way once a week. When I say just once a week, once a week, I'm going to go to a black owned business. That, that's not that hard to commit to once a week of going to a black owned business and saying there is where I'm going to spend my money. So find something that you know, hey, I'm going to go. I need you know, groceries or, hey, I'm going out to eat to today or, hey, I'm going over here is I know once a week I'm going to make my effort instead of buying at a regular store or I won't say the convenience store. I won't call it a regular store. When I say convenient, I mean convenient. Um, I'm not going to go there, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to maybe go a little bit out of my way and actually go over to a place where I can actually buy something that I know is from a black owned business. So once a week is not a hard thing to do. It's it's not actually a hard thing to do. And it's being made a whole lot easier right now. Um, so one of the things that has happened through the recent protests and uh, Black Lives Matter and that type of thing is on Yelp. Uh, Yelp actually has a section right now where where they have been reaching out to businesses that they have thought are black owned to confirm that they are. And they're being listed as black owned businesses. Um, also there's, um, there's green book green book is being put together across the United States. And these are black owned businesses. They could be restaurants. They could be hotels. They could be, you know, bed and breakfast. They can be hardware stores. Um, it's a really, really cool thing that's being put together to make it easy to support black owned businesses right now, which green book is actually a resurgence. If you know any history on what a green book is, green book was, uh, I grew up in the South. Uh, my 
family is, uh, my dad's family is from Mississippi. Uh, the only thing that my dad ever said about Mississippi was, fuck Mississippi. Um, but there is a whole history of, you know, when I, we'll get into that in another time. But, you know, when people talk about Confederate flags and, oh, that's not about so-and-so. Yeah, my entire family on that side of the family left Mississippi in a hurry. Um, so that's why my dad said that. Uh, my mom's family is from Georgia. So a green book essentially was safe passage. You knew, hey, I can go here and not potentially be harmed as a black person. So that's fantastic that we're seeing the resurgence of that because we actually need to do our part instead of always looking at someone else and saying, hey, why aren't you helping out in the black community? Like, hey, you own all these beauty supply stores and we all contribute. Why aren't you helping out in the black community? Hey, we control $1.4 trillion. The question is, why aren't they... Why aren't we? So we first have to, we have to bring it home first. And we have to stop a lot of the other stuff that we're doing and bring that money back. You know, some things that we can immediately stop. It was like, and I want to say that because, you know, I've smoked too and I've done all that. But, I mean, the amount of money that we spend on tobacco is absolutely ridiculous. Um, And we're spending that money... It, it's a it's a bad habit. It's going to shorten everyone's lives. Let's let's just be honest with it. Um, but also too, it was like when you understand that most of the big uh, tobacco companies were plantation owners, and they're still owned by the same families. People, there's no way in hell we should actually be contributing to half the shit that's going on as far as in tobacco. From Newports and all the other cigarettes that that we smoke and uh, Black and Miles and all that shit, they are owned by the same families that own plantations and used to own slaves. And I know the people have changed and the businesses have changed and they're now a mass corporation. So it's probably not the same kind of setup. And I get all of that. Um, yeah, we we should probably stop that. Um, especially since uh, the, the the billions of dollars that we contribute to that every single year. Um, and I say that just more from, you know, part of our podcast we really do when we're growing food and vegetables. It really is about doing a better job to actually choose healthy, better living and expand our lifespans make better choices for our kids and, you know, nieces, nephews and so forth. So they see us making better options and cutting out tobacco is probably just that it's pretty simple. Besides that, think of all the money you save personally by not smoking and the things that you can do with that money that you save. Absolutely. Um, get out of debt. I'll tell a funny story and then I'll circle back around cause it'll tie into something that I'm about to talk about. Um, I used to belong to a car club, um, had a really good friend of mine, him and his wife used to smoke, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood, almost a pack a day, each of them. Uh, and his wife started complaining about how much money he was putting into his cars. And he said, you know what? He figured out how much money that he was actually putting into buying packs of cigarettes and forced him and his wife to quit. Not because he really wanted to quit. He wanted to put money into his car more than he wanted to smoke. (laughs) And so he was able to quit. And he realized he was putting like $800 a month in cigarette and tobacco products. 
and where he was like, hey, we needed to do better with their budget because they were pregnant and about to have a kid. And so there were some other reasons why they wanted to quit. But it was like, I know I don't want to quit my hobby. But holy shit, I didn't know I was spending this much money is because you really don't pay attention to how much money you're spending until you actually pay attention to either you get a loss of a job or you have a major life event change, such as having a kid or so forth. And that's when people start looking at some of the choices that they make and how much money they're spending in. Um, but reason I actually brought that up with with cars, um, and, you know, I, I'm from Texas. You know, we have a slab culture down here is what we like to call it. Uh, and south side of Houston, north side of Houston, you can pretty much everyone. There's probably this day Sunday is probably late night. There's some spots in there where they're probably the whole car culture is going off and you see all these fancy cars, big rims, candy paint jobs, you know, stereo systems that are just I used to have four fifteens in my trunk. Um, I was much younger <laughs> at the time. Anybody that's been in, in a car club, you understand the amount of money that you are putting into a vehicle. And in a lot of these neighborhoods, you have a lot of people that are in pretty bad neighborhoods, pretty destitute, um, living paycheck to paycheck, phone bills getting turned off, you know, struggling to pay bills and so forth. But you got a Mercedes Benz sitting in the driveway. You have a slab sitting out on 26s in the front yard. A $10,000 paint job because you had to get the custom candy paint on there. You know, you got the peanut butter and wood inside. Um, So for y'all that don't know, uh, what that means is leather, (laughs) leather seats and wood grain steering wheels and things like that. We spend all of this money in these cars and it's not an asset, people. It immediately depreciates in value. The moment you drive it off the lot, the moment you, you get a scratch on it, it's done. And you dumped all of this money into it. And I get it. I know a lot of people that have done this. And sometimes you're, you're, you're you know, you're doing some things. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. You're doing some things. You know, fast money. You know, you're spending it just as fast. But I also know those some of the people who have had, but were out there spending and making fast money, that have had the doors shut on them. And what I say to me by that, they, they, those doors were made of bars. Um, and when stuff like that happens, you leave people behind, uh, kids, family, you know, mothers, uh, people who were depending on you. So maybe instead of actually, you got to realize you're not in it for the shows. You're in it for the money. And that money needs to be spent wisely. The money needs to, it, there's not, there's an end game if you're going that route. And I know I'm going off on a different uh, tangent right now. But I think it also ties into stop spending your money stupid and understand that everything has an end time and end date. And when it ends, you need to be pushing your family forward with something better than a damn car sitting in the driveway or some diamonds and gold and nonsense. It, 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 it just, it, it, it has to be better. And I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm in a lecture at this moment, but I was actually pretty disappointed when I started use, when you actually look at the numbers and I'm sure it was like, you know, the first time I ever did a budget, 
uh, I was disappointed in myself too. And it was like, oh man, I, you know, I just don't know where my money's going. And I realized, it was like, shit, I go to Starbucks every day. I'm spending $40 a week in Starbucks. And uh, a, a good buddy of mine, uh, Kobe, one day, I mean, we were, we were in LA and we were doing well and we were good job and we were going to Daily Grill for lunch and we were, uh, you know, Starbucks in the morning and we we're doing this and then uh, both of us one day we wanted to lose some weight so we were like, hey, we you know we're gonna, uh, you know, get on this diet plan, blah blah blah, and we were doing all this and when we started not going out every day, I realized like, holy shit. Was I really spending almost $300 a week going out to eat? And, you know, between fast food and grabbing this and Starbucks and everything else, it was when you start to realize and actually pay attention to where your money's going and not just spending money in your pocket, it's hard not to get disappointed in yourself. Well, and I also think, I mean, it's hard not to get disappointed in yourself. But I think it's also set up right now so that people don't realize where their money is going. Wow. Um, it's a completely different culture now that w- most of us don't use cash. Agreed. I mean, we have cards. If it's, it's one thing to have the cash in your hand and give somebody to cash and realize how much cash you still have left in your wallet. It's a whole other thing to swipe a card and not be looking at your bank account or know, hey, I've got this much left in there. But it's it's different. It's a different um, tactile feel, like when with money in your hand and giving it to somebody. It's actually leaving. Yes. It's not the debit card. In mm-hmm. a sense, it's not real. It's yeah. a piece of plastic. It's not actual money. But when you pull out actual cash and you, it's leaving your hand, you can see that hundred dollar bill going over to someone else, and you coming back with nothing in your hand. Yeah, I mean, and there, so, and then there's also the whole the whole credit card. Um, thing too where that money I mean it's not it's not real you don't feel like again you don't it's not cash so it's free money and you're paying for much less than what you actually spent when you pay your bill if you make your minimum monthly payment however over time it's significantly more than what you ever bought so for the folks who are are using their credit card to spend five dollars a day at starbucks Depending on how long it takes you to pay off that card, I mean that Starbucks might have cost you thirty freaking dollars. Yep. Um, I mean, but it's it's all a matter of of realizing and being truthful about the budget. I've had people who have sat down to do a budget and they're like, "Oh yeah, I spend, I average, I spend this much a month on Starbucks. I average, I spend this much a month on food." You can't actually do a budget unless you have your bank statements. And your credit card statements in front of you and actually look at the numbers. Yeah. There's no, no, it's not a, a guesstimate. It, you're not here to lie to yourself. And that's what it is when you say, oh, I average. No, you're, and when you're averaging, you're guesstimating. And tell the truth, you're lying to yourself. Because, you know, I think it's realistic if you looked at the numbers. Um, sometimes, you, you, yeah, you, you be mad at yourself when you realize, hey, I'm this far in credit card debt. And it's really my own fault because I'm spending my money over here and, and spending my money unwisely. Um, when you say that, one of the things I used to do when I was playing credit and in the banking system, um, I was a banker. Uh, but when I would have a new you know, client come in, you know, a young, fresh kid that's wanting to get his first credit card, I would always say, this is how I'm going to explain to you so you can actually get it. I would, I would pull out... You know, a big pen, 
I would say this big pen costs 98 cents. Reach in your pocket right now and give me $20 for this. And everyone will look at me like I was stupid. I would say, you wouldn't pay $20 for this pen? No, it's only costing 98 cents. I was like, okay. So when you put something on that credit card and you roll it over for the next eight months or six months, you paid exactly what I just asked you for. I just didn't ask ask you for it all at once. And so because I didn't ask you for all at once, you didn't pay attention. You still paid $20 for it. So you shouldn't be putting anything on your credit card that you don't want. Absolutely need. Emergencies happen. Things happen to be stretched out over time. So things like that are okay. So never think that, hey, I can't do this. Sometimes you have to do it if life is there. That new hot shit that just came out, like, hey, that PS5 just hit and I want a PlayStation 5. That's not a life emergency. Let's get that. That's a want. You know, your your kid, you know, fell down and, and knocked their teeth out and they have to have a, a, a new tooth put in. That's a life emergency. That's something that you want to take care of right away. Buying something because you want to be entertained is nowhere near a life emergency and it shouldn't be going on a credit card. We have to actually learn to wait. It's okay to wait to get something. It's okay not to be the first one with it. It's okay to figure out in my budget that $500 gaming system or $600 gaming system or $1,000 gaming system. Hey, if I save, you know, over the next 10 months, I will be able to get this. So you got to wait 10 months. And so all your friends going, hey, I, I, I just threw it on my credit card. What you call it? You I'm smarter with my money than you are. I'm on my budget and I'm going to stick to it. And no one should ever clown you or laugh at you because you're being responsible. And if they are, you might want to check your friends list and say, you're not where I want to be. And it's not that we're not cool. We're not homies. We're not friends. We're not this. I'm choosing a different path. And I'm going this direction. We're still cool, but I'm going to go with get with like-minded people so I can, we can all be on the same page and we can start bolstering and lifting each other up. And that's what we have to do as a community. And that's what we have to do with each other. So when your friend, your family member says, hey, I'm on a budget, I'll get that. Then it's like, oh, no, I understand. I'm on a budget sometimes too. I just was, I knew it was coming out earlier and I was saving up a little bit or so forth or, Hey, you know, I'm in a better position and maybe I don't have kids. Maybe I don't have this. And so I was able to get a little bit faster than you, but it's not a knock that you can't get it. And it's not, well, let's go do something stupid. Like hit a lick. Um, that's the, the, the favorite thing that we want to do. We got to stop being short-sighted. That's what hitting lick is. Uh, so when you, when you're out, it's thinking, you know, I'm gonna go do something stupid, uh, because I want something, um, and I'm gonna be short-sighted. It was like, or if I see somebody, you know, over there that's, uh, doing something great and I figured, Hey, I can take what he is, what's his real quick. That's a, that's a short-sighted movement. Uh, it shouldn't be celebrated. It's actually, yeah, it's just stupid. Um, and we got to start to address each other on the stupidity of it versus saying, hey, 
Um, if I see somebody over there making moves, I might go over there with you and say, hey, man, I see you making moves. How can I help you? And maybe you teach me a little bit of something so I can make moves for myself. That's how you hit a lick. It's not the short-sighted, I'm just going to do something so I can have to come back and, and do something else. It's it's the long side that we're looking at now. And we're not going to celebrate the stupid short side of it. So when you see somebody that's getting on, it's how can I help you so I can gain knowledge and then I can move forward with myself. And you don't even know that guy that you just got knowledge with that you volunteer your time with might then turn around and say, all right, I like your hustle. I like your work. Come over here and I'm going to help you guide and get you a little bit further ahead on top of that. It's the long game. People respect work. So it's time to put in the work. Something else that, you know, I actually, when I was flipping through this, I, I, and I was like, you know, did I really want to address church? Um, I grew up in the South. Uh, went to church a whole lot. <laughs> um, $420 billion have went to black churches since 1980. And those aren't even the most current numbers because the, all the timelines that I find stopped counting after 2013. So we got seven more years of us, us giving tithes to the black church. And in and, and some of the worst communities ever, I actually, when I was uh, living in, in the West Coast and living in California, uh, I, I, and I, I forget the name of the church because I never went. Um, I had a friend that used to go to the church and it was in Compton and, you know, and it was... Uh, some of the big name celebrities like Stevie Wonder and all these other guys. But here, here's the short and long and short of it is the pastor was living in Beverly Hills, driving a Ferrari. Um, you know, his wife had a Mercedes and I'm looking at him and I was like, you don't see anything wrong with that. And he was like, no, well, it was a gift from uh, one of the parishioners and so forth. I said, no, you don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, and for me, I'm looking at it as if I was a pastor and I was believing the word of God and Jesus and so forth. Um, I would have been looking at my 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 pastor and my uh, or my parishioner and saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're going to spend how much on this so I can drive what? No, sir. You know what? We we are in one of the poorest black communities in the country. We have kids that don't eat breakfast." We have, you know, we have a lack of education. We have uh, parents that need some drive. We have people who are uh, have been disenfranchised that got caught up in the uh, the uh, in the industrial prison complex. We're going to use that money to help push our people forward, not go drive a damn Ferrari. We have spent way, way too much money in churches. I'm not saying anything that you can't have religion, but that tithe shit, that shit's got to stop. And if it doesn't, you need to be asking directly. First of all, we all as a community need to go and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. These people are giving you your money. Where is that money going? I need an accounting of where that money's going. If you live out of the community, it needs to be on your dollar. It does not need to be on the backs of these people who are poor and giving you their, their damn money. I, that is bullshit. It has been bullshit. I have stopped going to ch- I I I let my mom have it a couple times and, and the reason I let it I let her have it because you know I grew up in the church and you know James I need to be saved and so forth, going to hell, so forth. And I said, Ma, no, I still believe, but I ain't going to a damn church anymore. 
because I see the hypocrisy in these churches and no one is addressing the hypocrisy in them. And to find out dollar amounts that this money that they are taking from people, I used to say all the time, I was like, man, look at that pastor over there, man. He got a custom tailored suit on driving a Cadillac. Who you think paid for that? It is so when I really look at it, and and I felt like, you know, when I and, and it was just the anger and the frustration when you look at the numbers um, as a whole. And we look at our community and we're like, man, you know, so many of these groups are not putting money into our communities and so forth. And then you look at how we're spending the money from billions of dollars on alcohol, billions of dollars on tobacco, billions of dollars on time and leisure spending, billions of dollars on games, billions of dollars on telephones, billions of dollars in in luxury cars. No. At some point in time, we got to call bullshit as a community and start to address each other and say, enough is enough. We are going to keep our money black. We're going to keep our money in our community. Out of every community out there, Black Dollar only stays in the black community six hours. When it's days and weeks in other communities, that means they are more willing to give that money to somebody that looks like them and then turn around and give that money to somebody else that looks like them. And what we do when we get money, oh, shit, I got to go buy something from somebody else because it's going to make me look good. <laughs> so it seems harsh. And, 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 and the reason it's harsh, because I think right now we're at a time in our country, where one, and I'm proud of us, and you know, let me always wrap this up or even come back and, and, and be proud because I am seeing the change. I am seeing the community come together. Uh, you know, I was down the street the other day at the grocery store and, you know, I had the head nods rocking. We was rocking with each other. We was recognizing each other. So I saw the positive and I think why I'm so angry or so upset is that you see the potential of what we can do if we stop blaming other people. And that's not saying that they're not culpable. I mean, systemic racism is real. We all understand that and know that. But if I have control of $1.4 trillion, I can end that by simply doing better. So as we start down this trend, as we're seeing each other come together as a community, I want that to continue. I want us to continue to go and build as a community and not find reasons to separate and hate each other. Stop seeing each other as some distant stranger and seeing each other as a brother and sister. It has no, We're all in that fight. And to divide ourselves is something that the powers that be actually came up with a plan to help keep us divided. So as more of us read books, as more of us understand what was done to keep us separated, we no longer do that to each other. I don't want to hear the nonsense coming from my group and I'll check it every time. And that's how it stops. So if you see the nonsense coming from your group where, oh, well, this person ain't doing this or this person's not that or no, no. 
That's not a distant stranger. I might not know him. I might not necessarily agree with everything he does. But that is a brother. That is a sister. And I'm rooting for him. It's when we stop dividing each other and stop being our worst enemies is when we see some real change and we have an opportunity to continue to build on what we've started with. What the hate that we've seen over the last four years, the, we're going to look at the good that is coming from us dealing with the hate. We're looking more at ourselves. We're looking more at our our brothers and we're wanting to come together as a community. So it's time for us to step up and take our communities back. Stop putting up with the bull and start calling out those who aren't doing better for themselves. And if I'm your good friend and I'm someone, I love you, you're my brother, you're my dog, I got your back and and so forth. You shouldn't have a problem with me if I tell you, hey, man, you know what? You're going to go spend what on on, 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 on your car? You're going to go buy whose who's sneakers? You're going to go buy this new? No, nah, no, nah, man. You said you had credit card debt. Take care of that. Take care of that first, man. Them shoes are weight. That X, Y, and Z is weight. I'm your actual, I'm, I'm rooting for you to do better. So that means if I see you about to make that mistake that's going to keep you in the trap, that means... I have to step up and say something. Those are the people you want on your side. That person that runs with you to the store to do something stupid with you, man, drop that off. He's not on the page that's going to get you to success. So I feel like I've been on a tangent today. (laughs) You've definitely been on a soapbox. But that's okay. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, it was, it's hard not to be when it's like, it, the numbers are astronomical on stupidity. Um, but I think it's more of us as you start to see and and uh, and understand there's more articles that are coming out that about how we spend our money. There's more people speaking about it. So I, I think it has to be more of us stepping forward to say, hey, man, we need a change. And this is the right time. The, the, the vibe is there for us to do better for each other. And so as that continues, it's up to us to continue it. We got to remember to keep doing it because yeah. we're seeing the vibe. Yeah, we, we see it personally right now. Absolutely. Um, we see more people of color coming to, so coming to our business, coming to our business. Absolutely. And so that's what I'm saying is, is why I said, you know what? I want to end it in very positive. And it's because there, there absolutely is the trend. And, and we're all, cause from the hate is, coming to love again Mm -hmm. and so it's up for us to understand the true power of the black dollar and it's to get all of these businesses who say they don't like us these businesses like these fast food chains these fast food restaurants um these big mass corporations that support hate and it's up to us to say oh you support hate oh you have a right to believe whatever you believe. You have a right to support whoever you want to support. But guess what that means for you? You can't have my money. So do your research. Yep. 
do your research. If you're making a big purchase, do your research as to who you're giving your money to. It's not that hard to find out, uh, like a big corporation or a big company, it's not that hard to find out who they give their money to. Sorry, you guys. We're, we're <laughs> so, so we have a dog who has now decided she is not getting enough attention. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, hold on, you know what? She's a chocolate lap. She was like, y'all need to spend some more time and owe me and my some money on me right now. <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, I think this is, it, it comes together at, at, at a very good point uh, to end on. And and what it is is as we continue, as we have, you know. Listen to uh, the eulogy from Obama. Uh, read the speech from John Lewis. Uh, the, the icons that these people are of the civil rights movement and as they continue to move the people forward, we have to do our part. You know, I, I, I take it back to, and I ended on this. I was in a barbershop one day and I was talking to an older gentleman and it must have been in his late 70s, 80s, and stuff like that. And I was like, I just, I, I was frustrated with everything that I see going on. Um, it was for pan- before the pandemic. Um, love the Black Barbershop. Um, yeah, it was something, it was, it, don't kill the Black Barbershop. Barbershop, love it. Uh, as I was talking to this gentleman, and I was like, man, where are all the elders, man? Where are all the older people? It just seems like no one's in the fight anymore. And he looked over at me. He was like, how old are you? And, you know, I told him I'm, I'm uh, 40 now, 41. Um, I was younger then. Uh, but he looked at me. He was like, what, the, what are you waiting on? You the elder now. And I was like, no, when did I get that old? He was like, yeah, that shit happens. Um and so that's when, I don't know, I, I think I probably myself woke up where I was so driven on business and money and, 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 and upward mobility and so forth. At some point in time, I, I, the cause has to be just as important as all of that. Because if not, if we don't practice the vote, we, we see what, what happens, right? If we don't, you see what's going on? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. So I ended on that and I ended on, you know, John Lewis saying we have the power. Yeah. It's called. We have the vote. If we don't use it, they allow people like this to get in office that will take stuff from us. Vote. All right. So uh, so that wraps it up. And uh, here's the thing. If you guys have any questions or comments, um, please feel free to leave them in the show notes. Um, also, you're more than welcome to send an email. Uh, we have an email, which is myblockpodcast at gmail.com. I'm sure we'll have a more official email here at some point as well. Um, but leave if you have questions, comments, don't hesitate to leave them. We'll respond to them. And um, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. See you later. Have a good night, guys. All right, bye.